You doing okay, Brian? You sound a little under the weather, dude. No, I'm fine. Just a busy. Just came back from vacation. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I, f- I feel like every time we see Brian, we're like just blessed with his presence. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> Brian's back again. Like, uh... oh, guys, I'm just so tired. Vacation was just, ah. Uh... I'm taking so much vacation. I'm just so tired of vacation. <laughs> Welcome to Plug In for More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EV Universe is your one stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike. Tom and Brian. Guys, I'm excited to be back here recording with you again. Uh, we have a few things to talk about today for the podcast. And first, I want to hear about Bryant and his recent updates that he did for the EV6 with his uh, 20,000 mile maintenance that he did. And, and also, did calling your wife out by name motivate her enough to listen to the podcast finally? I mean, it's a great question. I've asked her multiple times and she still has not listened. So, Renee Colley, if you are out there listening, Please let me know, but I don't well, think she's, she's not. Listening. But she's not. So <laughs> she's not. So, but she doesn't even care that we've got you know tens of thousands of listeners, and podcast is doing fabulous, and she doesn't care, and she just like no, like it's successful. Husband, I'm not going to listen to it. Exactly. I mean, so I mean there's like her doesn't even matter. Maybe there's like a different medium that we should share shame her in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Basically. I like that. Okay. I like that. So, so did your car brick? You get the updates done. What happened? Yeah. So, uh, so I've owned my EV6 now for over a year. I have twenty two thousand miles on it, and uh, I want to give a couple, couple quick updates. So, one, there's some major uh, software updates for the EV6 and the Hyundai Ionic. Um, there's an ICCU update. There is a map navigation update. There's a charging update. There's a parking brake update. There's a lot of updates. So I took my vehicle in. I was kind of nervous because I actually put this off for about a month. And I'll, I'll get to that in a quick second. But, you know, for the, for the listeners out there that are new to EVs, one of the biggest mind shifts I've had is the only really maintenance you need on your EV for the first 50, 100,000 miles, besides replacing tires, is rotating your tires and taking in for software updates. It's not like uh, my Dodge Ram or my other cars. We have to take them in and get you know oil changes and all these other things. So I'll talk about how much it's cost me to own an EV in one year in a quick second. But this one, I was a little bit nervous because the Facebook forums and everything I'm reading online... There's a lot of problems after these updates, uh, supposed problems after these updates, where your vehicle won't charge more than seven kilowatt hours, uh, which is very slow. It won't. Uh, it will continue to interrupt itself all night long and won't charge all night. It will have blank screens. So I was kind of nervous taking my vehicle in, but I was starting to. I was starting to feel like you know what I should probably do it now because I was on vacation, guys. If you can believe it, I was on vacation and I uh, didn't need the car. Wow! Congrats again. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, and then also, I don't have a road trip for another month, so it was a good time to take it in. And um, you know, spoiler alert: nothing happened. Uh, I took videos of the charging before, the charging rate, eleven point four kilowatt hours, all the stuff. And uh, sure enough, I got it updated in about six hours or so. Went picked up the vehicle, charged it the next night, no problem. So 
the updates worked exactly the way they were supposed to. No breaking the vehicle, no charging interruptions, none of that stuff. So fingers crossed that maybe uh, Kia has got it figured out. I'm not sure. Well, that's that's a good thing. Can we talk about how you had to go to the dealer to get your car updated versus other manufacturers that don't? I think we should. We should. I mean, to your point, minor updates Kia will do over um, uh, over whatever it's called. What's that thing called? Over air. Over the, over the, over air. the air. That's, yeah, over the yeah. air. That's like a fancy thing, right? Yep. <laughs> but uh, no, these these Kias and uh, Hondas you have to take to the dealer for major updates, and it took them six hours to update it. So yeah, I mean, and for Tesla owners and Rivian, they're just completely over the air. No, going into the dealership doesn't really matter what happens. You just, you know, get those magic updates just sent to your car. Um, and I think it really has to do with the way that these, um, like the Rivian and, and Tesla are made. Everything is done in-house. And so all the, you know, components are, you know, they're all talking to each other. They're, you know, on the same um plan for updates and that sort of thing and and when you're looking at you know some of these oems like the traditional um legacy oems they're they've got multiple different people making the computer chips versus the other components of the car and so when you do an update a lot of times you have to have like patchwork and stuff like that and so you physically have to get a hold of the car so i mean that is one of the differences when you're going with the legacy um vehicle versus uh one of the new ev manufacturers is some of those updates you're gonna have to you know it's a small concession but you'll have to go in and pick your car in when that being said the mach e is all over the air updates too well then despite being a legacy maker yeah so it's not it's not across it's not across the board i agree well and and part of one other quick thing is kia has their subscribe app where if you pay money they'll do over the air updates and i i don't think it's worth 300 dollars a year so I think that's another money maker. But we can talk about apps and car stuff on that at a different episode. You, one thing you talked about with the, the maintenance and your tires, you're at 22,000 miles now. How are your tires looking? So the tires are all green except uh, the rear right, which is the main drive wheel, is yellow. Um, so I'll probably get another 10,000 miles out of them. But I would love any suggestions for listeners because as you, as if you've listened to the podcast, you know we live in northern Michigan. We get a lot of snow. These Kumo tires this winter were awful, and there's no way I'm going to leave them on for this winter because they don't have enough tread. So I'd love to hear any input or any thoughts around what tires I should get. I don't want to get a dedicated snow tire like I normally would. I would like an all-season tire, um, and I'd love any input. And uh, Tom, you said like the tires your Mach-E came with were pretty sick. What, what were those? I don't know. Someone's not prepared for the podcast today. Well, I didn't let him know. Back out my tires. (laughs) Come on. Can't take you anywhere. It's ridiculous. They're they're pretty good. I'm pretty sure they're Michelin's, but I don't know the the model of them. I'm I'm not that in tune to it. That's why I've got a tire guy. I was hearing recommendations of the Michelin Cross Climate too. Um, but I had I had those on the. couple different cars over the last year, a couple of years. Um, they were awesome. But being in North Carolina, you don't really need to worry too much about, you know, snow. But I did take them to the mountains and actually up to Michigan in the winter twice. And, uh, yeah, it worked out really well. Okay. Michelin Primacy mm. AS. Okay. Maybe. 
Sounds like I might be looking at Michelin's. Um, but yeah, yeah, guys, I think like, so, you know, 22,000 miles one year, the maintenance on the vehicle has been $50, two tire rotations, $25 each. Obviously it's under warranty. You don't expect as a new car to pay for anything. Um, but I was just doing some quick math. I have, I have how much I've driven the car this year so far. So from January 1st to recording on August 8th, um, I've driven the car 8,000 miles so far this year. Um, obviously 22,000 miles in a year and I've added up in my charge point app. It keeps track of how much, you know, you're, you're charging it, how much you're driving. Uh, obviously there's free charging in the highways for, for key and other vehicles for, um, electrify America. So this does not qualify, you know, it doesn't count any electrify America, but it's free, but I've driven, like I said, about 8,000 miles and I've spent about $200 in charging. Um, so you guys can do the math and what that looks like. You know, you're talking like 36, 38 miles. Um, you know, for do for every dollar spent, roughly, and so it's very, uh, very affordable from a charging perspective, and then from a maintenance perspective, like I said, fifty bucks in a year. Um, I'll have to get new tires, probably. You know, I could probably, like I said, squeeze out another ten thousand miles or so on them. I could probably get to about thirty, thirty-five thousand, which is a lot for tires. I don't know. I haven't looked at my Kumos, how much you know they're rated for, but I will say, uh, just taking my Dodge Ram in after. Driving it 6,000 miles out to Yellowstone, you know, the oil change. Granted, I did synthetic oils, $98 for one oil change uh, versus 50 bucks for tire rotations. Um, I had to tire rotate my Ram too. So all in from an oil change and tire rotation, my Ram was like 130 bucks just for, you know, that taking a road trip out west. So, Mike, you've owned a lot of EVs. Like, how do you think the my cost for first year stacks up to what you've had? Yeah, I mean, pretty... Pretty much the same, um, you know, and a lot of a lot of the tire shops around me, they do free uh, tire rotations. So, you know, that isn't even a cost um, a lot. I mean, it's just really charging costs. And when you're charging at home, that's really, really cheap. And then the supercharging or, you know, DC fast charging is going to be a lot more expensive than that, but still less than gas typically. Um, yeah, I mean, so I really haven't seen anyone whose cars in warranty have much of anything. Um, you know, if you're driving a Model X or, you know, something heavy, um, you're going to go through tires even faster. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's really not not much at all. When you get out of warranty, that's another, you know, that's another um, conversation especially when you look at some of the older teslas and nissan leafs and stuff like that you can have more suspension components or like the uh main control unit and the mcus that are gonna um, factor in for costs and you know changes and stuff like that but yeah i mean they for me it's been a huge huge money saver the last few years not not even including the uh the fueling costs yeah i would say uh you know the mechanic right. at the at the kia dealership It'd be actually interesting. Maybe we can get him on a podcast or a video or something. But he was just making a comment, a reference of how good the vehicle looked for you know one year. You don't expect it to you know be falling apart. But he said everything underneath looks you know like it's brand new still. And there there is an EV6 in in our city that has fifty thousand miles on it. It's first year, and he said you know there's brakes still look amazing, like bearing, like everything on the vehicle. Not that fifty thousand miles is much. Not at all. Don't get me wrong. But he said everything is amazingly in great shape um, just because there's not that much, to your point, Mike, there's not that much, you know, wear and maintenance on the vehicle because there's not a lot of moving parts, um, unlike, you know, no transmission and all those other things in a gas-powered vehicle. So I would say my year of uh, owning it has been 
you know, I was actually expecting it to, you know, tires to wear out quicker. I didn't expect to get 22,000 miles because I've always heard EVs, you know, run through tires fast. And, you know, if I can get 30,000 miles off these tires, that's not bad. So Fisker just launched a few new cars on top of the ocean. Got the Alaska, the Ronin, the Pear. The Pear. That's a, sounds like naming your kid Apple. Oh, I, they want me to pay $250 to reserve my Fisker Alaska. Mm-hmm. It looks better than a Rivian, though. Well, the Alaska is the pickup truck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Ronin is their sports car. Their high-end, mm-hmm. like, supercar. The, the $350,000, yeah. Yeah, and so the Pair is, looks like a slightly bigger version of the Ocean. No, the Pair should be, like, a urban... Oh, that's right. That's little right. Commuter type car. But looking at the Alaska, there's not a ton on their site, but it looks like maybe roughly the size of the Rivian. I think so. I think it's supposed to be um similar, but I think the mid gate can fold down. Yeah, in, but in the truck, which is a pretty big deal. Um yeah. like it's like a mini truck, but Yeah. That's not a mini truck, but you know, three quarters of a full size. I mean, maybe it could fit some plywood in. That's the question. It's debatable. Oh, oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. It does. It does. I haven't seen a picture yet. I'm just saying. Well, I don't just go and pick out like, you know, sheets of plywood. That's not my, it's not my thing every, every week, but I I can, if I need to, it's too busy picking up other stuff at Home Depot this morning. Sorry. Um, Next time I'll. Did you actually put something and use your truck like a truck? I did. What did you pick up? Halloween decorations. I know it's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's August and we're picking up Halloween decorations. Um, cool. Not, yeah, not my purchase. Um, but wow, you must really like Halloween. I mean, my my wife does, and you know she she listens to this podcast by the way, unlike your <laughs> wife. So I'll have to pay for this this conversation right now. You said nothing wrong yet. That's right. He's right. All right. So There's still time, topic. though. Yeah, we'll so, to save Mike from the embarrassment and the trouble, let's move on to our next topic. You're listening to the Plug In For More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. We want to talk about charging etiquette at a public charger. Um, just like a gas pump where you don't leave your car blocking a pump while you go in to pay for stuff. Like it's, there's a, there's an etiquette to it. And I think as more people are becoming EV owners, we need to make sure that we're all on the same page for how we handle certain chargers and the etiquette surrounding them. And I think that's a good spot to start this conversation. Yeah. Uh, so first off, if you are not going to actively charge, do not park there. Find someplace else to go. Even if you have to walk a little bit further, a lot of people might be traveling. You never know who needs to use that charger. Um, so if you don't, if you're not going to be charging, don't park there. Plain and simple. It doesn't matter if you have an ice car or an EV. Even if you have an EV, if you're not charging, don't don't be there. So that's that. I, to me, that's the number one thing. Number two, I would say no. What do you want, Tom? I was <laughs> being aware of the how fast your car can charge. Exactly. So if you're in a Nissan Leaf, 
don't go and try to plug into the 350 kilowatt hour charger if there's a slower available charger there. Yep, because you can still max out how fast you can charge, but all that extra capability, you're not going to be utilizing and be slowing other people down. So, for example, my Mach-E will charge up to a top speed of 150 kilowatts per hour. If I roll in and take the only 350 kilowatt hour charger, and then Bryant comes in behind me, which his car is capable of charging that speed, as is Mike and the Rivian, now I'm blocking that 350 charger when if another 150 is next door to it, those guys are going to max out at the 150 because that's all that charger is capable of, but mine is still only going to take 150 going into it regardless of how fast the charger displays. Yes, that's that's a pet peeve of mine. Thank you for bringing it up, Tom. I think it's... And then there's one more other one I wanted to bring up on this topic as well, and this got me in Chicago. I was actually... It didn't bite me, but I was pissed when I came out because a lot of charge point chargers share... It's like 6.6 kilowatts or 6.8 shared. It says right on it, shared. <laughs> and I was at a parking deck downtown. I plugged in. I was getting the full 6.8. I was going to charge overnight. And I came out at 6 in the morning. And it just happened to be, I swear this is just a coincidence, Tom. There is a Mach-E parked right next to me charging when there's 50 other chargers open. And so it wasn't charging at 6.8. It was charging at 2.8. And rather than leaving Chicago with 100%, which it still worked fine, I was at 80. Then not a big deal. But I was so livid. <laughs> like, come on, there's 50 other chargers. Like, don't yep. use a shared one. <laughs> yep. So, so that exact thing. Let's talk about Tesla for a second. So, on Tesla, when they had their, um, essentially, they've got two different versions. They've got you know the version two and version three um, chargers out there. Uh, one, two, and three, technically. But really, you're going to see the 150 or the 250 kilowatt chargers, um, and what happens on the earlier generation chargers, the ones that are 150, is they share that 150 between the like it's a if you go to the stall 1A and 1B, those are going to share the same 150. And so you're going to if you park right next to somebody and there's a whole bunch of open ones, you're going to cut them in half. Same exact deal. It doesn't really it doesn't say shared there, but you need to you know be aware of it. And so that's the things with Tesla. If it's a 150 kilowatt charger, don't park right next to somebody. Park you know, at the 2A or 2B, if someone's in the in the in a one stall, um, if you're at 250, doesn't matter because they're dedicated. And that's really good info, especially with all of the other manufacturers that are going to be adopting the NACS standard. And a lot of us that are in the legacy automakers switching over to using Tesla superchargers, hopefully in the near future. Like I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, I mean either. It, yeah, and the other thing with that, when that happens, I think we really people really got to um, make sure that they. And there's going to be these adapters that are you know have a longer cord to make sure that you're not taking over two stalls, just because of the location of that charge port. I mean, right now Tesla is the left rear quarter. You know, with your your Maki, your what front right. Front left. Front left. Sorry, front left. Yeah. So to get into that charge, you're gonna have to, you're gonna block the stall next to you yeah, and take up the one that would normally work for a normal Tesla. So you're going to block two for one, which is not great. So there's probably going to be some interesting conversations held at some superchargers when this first gets rolled out. If people don't have, um, you know, the right adapters or a longer cord. And I've seen that before at electrify America chargers where 
just the position of vehicles, even parked appropriately for their spot. Like I've seen people jumping curbs and parking in the grass and doing whatever they have to do to position their car to be in the exact right spot to charge in their vehicle. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Um, can I guess at number three? I think, I think I know number three. Don't Perfect. take up a fast charger to charge to a hundred percent. Unless you like a thousand percent need every single mile. Cause this is, this has come for me. It just happened to be ID four owners. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not throwing any shade at ID four owners, but like every ID four owner I've ever encountered at an electrify America station charges all the way to a hundred percent. And rather than taking, you know, half an hour, 25 minutes, whatever it takes, it takes 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Cause the closer you get towards a hundred percent, the slower, you know, the current is because it doesn't want to fry your battery. Right. So the electrify America stations slow down significantly, anything above, you know, 90%. And uh, I haven't had to wait yet, but I've been uh, I've been seeing in some of the in some of the Electrify America, you know, emails and stuff. They're trying to like show everyone that you don't have to charge you 100 percent. But I get it if you're like on the road trip and you need every single mile to get to your next charger. Like, OK, but most of us don't need every single mile charging to 85, 80, 90 percent is probably OK. Yeah, I mean, in, in that talking about Tesla owners. At a lot of superchargers, they um, when they get busy, they max out at an eighty percent charge, and you can override it at, in some scenarios too. But it does block you so that you're not, you know, taking up extra space. Um, lots of people get in and out because I mean, there's times where there's lineups. I haven't seen too many of them, but it's just going to get more and more, especially when all the other OEMs join up. Yeah. And I just saw that Electrify America is changing some of their billing schedule or their pay schedule for chargers that it's going to ultimately start charging idle fees to people that are blocking them for too long. So that'll probably help alleviate some of those issues. And lastly, don't unplug other people's cars. Yeah. Right? Unless they've been charging for seven hours and they're fully charged. If you can tell. Okay. All right, guys. uh, Thanks for joining in for this one. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Sounds great. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Plug In for More. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out the one-stop EV marketplace, EVUniverse.com. Until next time.